Here it is. Again. And it's cold. I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. We bring you an act. They'll just boggle your mind. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Let's go! Hey, everybody. I'm Joseph. And I'm Rob. Welcome to the October 1978 edition of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1986 to 1976. This is a really great lineup. We've got some uh, some newcomers and uh, some favorites, actually, that are in this uh, in this lineup. Um, and both Joseph and I are really stoked. I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, it's leading into a really big thing, you know, the music that we love and the bands that we love. Um, you know, I could ramble on and on, but rather than do that, how about we kick some music off? Uh, something from one of the newcomers, maybe. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. I know what you done. I saw you in my crystal. I saw you making love. I'm gonna get my pistol So this is this is Lynn Livick, uh, according to um, according to a recorded automated system that basically says they know how to pronounce uh, her name better than we do, which might be true because uh, I, for one, when first seeing it, didn't know how to pronounce her name. But that was a song called Telepathy, and and I think it's freaking amazing. Yeah, so this is off of her debut album called Stateless. Um, I have a lot to say about this album. I'm, uh, I, as I, you know, covered in the last episode, this was a, this is going to be an episode of very pleasant surprises. It, it just, it feels like there's, there's a lot here. That's we're kind of witnessing a seismic shift um, into the kind of music that is just in my sweet spot. So I and, and this is um, this is Exhibit A. This is um I had never heard before. Uh, somehow, yeah. were you familiar with any of Len's work uh, before? You started researching none for this whatsoever. Episode? No, none whatsoever. Um, but mm -hmm. when I was doing the research, I found all kinds of really cool stuff. Um, you know, including videos. I love watching her perform. Yeah. So I was familiar with her biggest hit, um, "Lucky Number." Uh -huh. that, that's that's the name yeah. of it. Um, and it it popped up on a compilation or two that I had. Um, and I really don't care for that song. I don't understand why it was like her 
biggest hit because um, I pretty much love every song all off of this album except for that one song and the cover of I Think We're Alone Now. I Think I, We're I Alone have Now. No, I, I, I have no use for it. It's not awful, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not interesting. It's just well, another pretty straightforward cover. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I'm going to oppose you on, on this one. Um, no, I absolutely hate I Think We're Alone Now. Um, and I kind of like Lucky Number. But I was kind of impressed to find out that Frank Zampa called it one of his favorite songs. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that I I was familiar with that song and I just never sought out any more of her stuff because it just it I found it annoying and really gimmicky. Uh-huh. And so so I thought, you know, I kind of incorrectly assumed, well, this is her most famous song. Yeah. Um, then she's just one of those sort of like no talents that happen to just luck across you know i a song that people liked because it was so gimmicky but man this album is so good so we heard um your pick at the top of the show telepathy telepathy I, i i have nothing to back this up it's just a sort of first impression when i heard this it was like Wow, this is this sounds like it really might have informed Kate Bush moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you know, um, I did kind of. There was a little bit of a ring of Kate Bush when I was listening to this album uh, mm-hmm. in my ear, and I wondered if yeah, maybe she, that was she the just thing. has a. Um, you know, the first time I listened to this album. You know, I got to Lucky Seven, and I was like, "Ooh, this is gonna be rough if the whole album is like this." <laughs> yeah. And exactly. and you know, after the third or fourth song, I realized, "Ooh, she's like, she really, she's the real thing. She's she she's got her own distinct style, no doubt about it. Um, but it's more than just a quirky persona. There is some some excellent ideas both lyrically and musically and she she's she's got a really compelling voice and she and and technically she's pretty on top of it she's there's no there was no like real problems with intonation or anything that i noticed so you know the further i got into this album on the first listen the more excited i i became and i just I'm going to have to listen to this album a lot more, but it is, I'm definitely putting a check mark next, next to this one to, um, you know, revisit for sure uh, before the end of this season. Yeah, so the song I picked is uh, called Say When.
this is an album that I feel like the strength is the album itself and the 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 feel of the album and the way that the songs flow together than like a bunch of great songs. So there's not not any one song on here that I would that I would say is a real cut above the others, but it's just, just across the board, really consistent. We're hearing something in the, you know, post-punk new wave vein that we haven't heard before. Um, No, for sure, um, very influential um, to a lot of artists moving forward. So this is... um, this is definitely an album of note. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So how are you feeling about this this album, Rob? Do you do you you think it should be in serious consider consideration for a top ten spot of nineteen seventy eight? I do, absolutely. Um yeah. I think it's definitely a strong album and uh, I think I think it should be held in consideration. I don't know if it's gonna be be in my top five. But I, I'm likely to put it in my top ten. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I am. This is definitely one that I am going to come back to and look at very closely um, after like a month or two. You yeah. know, where I've had a chance to get a little perspective. But if it doesn't end up being one of my favorite albums of '78. I think if I made a list of important albums, you know, milestone albums, mm-hmm. uh, this would definitely be on it. Th- th- this this feels this feels significant. Uh, this this one here, we are we are definitely hearing something we haven't heard before, yeah. which always excites me. Yeah. So that is um, Stateless by who? Rob. Lynn Leivick. <laughs> Lynn Leivick. You, you, you are the official utterer of her name oh. on this podcast. <laughs> well, I hope I'm getting it right. Um. <laughs> but just don't say it three times in a row because then she'll appear. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on to John Cooper Clark's uh, debut album. Um Do you want to take a a stab at uh, the name of this album? Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to say Où est la maison de fromage? Aha. Okay, well, you you said it in French. I'll say it in English. Uh, Where is the house of cheese? The question that's on everybody's mind. For our dedicated listeners who who catch every episode, this this is a name that... Uh, you've heard before when we were talking about the Manchester scene with our friend Richard Temple, we spoke a fair amount about John Cooper Clark. Uh, Richard Temple was a is a a big fan of his work, and actually, I believe that he he worked with John Cooper he, Clark at one point. If yeah. memory serves. Yeah, he did some promotion for him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um. On more than one occasion, talking about albums in the past, I have used the phrase practically unlistenable. And I've always, 
I've always used that as hyperbole, like figuratively speaking. But this album literally is almost unlistenable. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it depends on what, what angle you're coming at because John Cooper Clark is a poet. And if you're listening to the album to listen to his poetry, that might be the thing to do. No, 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 no. You don't understand what I'm saying here. I'm, I'm like, you can't hear what he's saying. So <laughs> I, I am say, I'm not saying that it's unlistenable like it's bad. Uh-huh. I'm saying it's unlistenable like it's unhearable. So, <laughs> so there, there are there, are, and and this is like, especially ironic because we're talking about a poet yes. who is all about the words. Yeah. So so this this album is has many 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 cuts um and there there are really three factors that that work against it. One is that most of the cuts are just recorded poorly. I mean just technically on a technical level very just just poorly incompetently recorded yeah two um he is speaking in a very heavy english regional accent and so i just that coupled with the poor recording i just have a hard time making out the words that are coming out of his mouth and then three a lot of these tracks are live and it sounds like the some of the audience members are in between him and the microphone i've got a theory that the uh, album was recorded by somebody in the audience um you, mm-hmm. Know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know holding a yeah. mic up <laughs> yeah yeah now so this is i mean it is a a collection of different pieces done at different times so right. some of them are live and some of them aren't the live stuff i find almost literally unlistenable if not unlistenable unhearable as far as understanding what's going on um but but it sounds like you had you had a, a slightly better experience with this I did. I, I, yeah. as as you can hear very very frustrated very frustrated with this album yeah well and part of the problem too is it's just a real there's so many so many tracks on this album um but but i did you know i i I like him as a poet and uh the song i picked was one of those songs that is actually a song has music backing it and is uh, a little more listenable uh, so. so before we listen to the song that you picked, I, I just want to issue a warning to our listeners. If you hear this song and you like it, just be prepared that this is like, this is the outlier for this album. This is the <laughs> anomaly. Um, this is the technical high point of this album. Read the paper, humdrum, Henley regatta, page one, eat, die, ho-hum, page three, big bum, giving a lunatic a loaded gun, he walks, others run, 30 dead, 
no fun Thought he'll as feature as figures of thumb Do something destructive, chum Sit right down, write a letter to the sun Say, bring back hanging for everyone John Cooper Clark's Suspended Silence. Uh, now, something interesting about this album. Um, it was his de- debut album, as you said. Um, and it was later re-released under a different record label. Uh, I think it was Receiver Records in 1989. So it is actually considered to also be his last album. Isn't that funny? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was all I have to say about John Cooper Clark. I mean, it's it's a lot. <laughs> it's an intense. Album. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think that I need to mention that. Um, it's. I don't think there's a chance in hell this is going to show up on the best of '78. Uh, but give us a give us a different second opinion, Rob. No, I, I don't think it's going to be on there at all. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to Japan's second album, their sophomore release, an album called Obscure Alternatives. Um, how are you feeling about this one? You know, I really enjoy this one. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite albums. I love Japan the first time I heard them. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I, I love, I think, every track off of the album. Yeah, so if last album was sort of a, a constant battle uh, between David Bowie's style glam rock and contemporary disco, then this album, it's very clear who won. It's the David Bowie their their David Bowie instincts mm-hmm. so this feels this feels very much like David Bowie well the stuff that he was doing in the mid to late 70s uh you know like at that point he was in the middle of his his um his Berlin trilogy uh but you know a song like fashion um, or fame, or something that's that's got a lot of of funk to it. Um, that's what this album feels to me, and I think it's a vast improvement over the last one. Um, I I think that the the music is it's white boy funk, but it is really good white boy funk. I love the grooves that they get going. The The musicianship is just, just top notch. And I love this album as well. What, what, what I find interesting about this album, um, especially the vocals in, in the tracks, um, it reminds me a lot of some of the music I was listening to like in 1989, 1988, 89, um, it, it feels kind of post-punk to me, but it really, in 1978, this, this right here feels like it's a, ahead of its time. 
Yeah, you know, and I got to kudos to the bass player on this because oh, yeah. the the bass is my favorite part. Now, yeah. it's it's interesting. Let's let's talk about the lead vocals uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the lead vocals, uh, David Sylvian's vocals, I feel like they are much better than the last album. Uh, uh, he he just he sounds like he's he's more focused. He sounds like he's got he's not trying so hard in the sort of forced um, affectations um, that were so annoying in the in the in the first album are not nearly as bad this time around but for some reason oh and then also technically i think that he's just he's got it he's got more control over his voice so he's he's not struggling with intonation issues uh as much as the previous album but for some reason his vocals bug me more in this on this album than the last album and i think yeah. it's just because they're they're the way that the album is produced so they're mixed louder and they're more upfront and also the the music is as opposed to you know poppy disco it's now like kind of dirtier funk so it's not as busy so you can really hear his vocals uh, very, very clearly this time around. And at this point, the vocalist is my least favorite part of of this band. I love the music. I like the songwriting. The lyrics are, are fine. They're pretty good. Well, I, I kind of felt like... Uh... To, to me, I like the vocals because it, to me it sounded like he finally found out where he was going, um, and and I mean I, I understand that you kind of feel like he's more getting his footing on on how how that is. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, those vocals remind me of some of the, you know, some of the alternative stuff I was listening to in the late '80s. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, technically he's he's got it down. Yeah, and we're we're here. I mean, for the first time, I'm listening to them and going, "Oh, now I know why Japan is brought up a lot in context uh, with um, Duran Duran." Uh huh. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, um, so let's listen to a couple of songs off of this album. I just I love this sort of rhythmic deep funk it's very simple but it's it's very well executed uh my pick uh probably my favorite song off of this album is called rhodesia
Fantasia is a great song, and um, I wrote in my notes here, funky as fuck. Um, yeah. It was, uh, I, I knew you were going to love this song, because this is the funkiest tune on the yeah. album. Yeah, um, yeah, And I, and I, I don't know, I, I love it. I love yeah. it. To me, it was an obvious choice, and I was going to jump on it myself until I, I noticed that uh, you had picked it in the notes, so I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, okay, you know, then. there there were two songs that I picked um, in this episode, and after I picked them and, you know, put them on the playlist and we've been listening to it, I realized that there's um, very, uh, some really dated, problematic lyrics, like the, like specifically words that are used. Mm -hmm. um, so in this in this song, the N word is used, which is, you know, nowadays it's just an absolute no, no. I mean, taking in the context of what he's talking about, it is not, it doesn't come off as, yeah, I mean, he's, it, it, it comes off as he is making an anti-racist statement. So this, that's just, I just wanted to put that out for some people who just don't want to subject themselves to, you know, privileged white boys throwing that word around uh right. so but given that um the rest of the song is excellent um and this is this is some nice uh hypnotic funk which which i really like uh what is your pick off of this album <laughs> Well, my second choice is Love is Infectious. And uh, to me, this song was probably the most different than any other song on the album. Uh, it just caught me. She keeps her patience for the bedroom. Love is infectious. Rhodesia. Um, and I kind of think the rest of the album, with the exception of maybe one song, is just great. It's, it's to me, it's a fun album. Yeah, there there isn't a song on here that I dislike. It is it is an album that doesn't have a lot of peaks and valleys. So there's there's nothing that I hear off this album that I go, "Oh, I have to flag this and put it onto this playlist and that playlist." Uh -huh. It's more like a put the album on and just just sink into it and just enjoy the album. You yeah. know, it's it's one yeah. of those experiences. Yeah. So um, I I I do think I'm going to consider this when I'm when I'm putting together my my top ten of '78. My suspicion is it's just going to miss it, but you never know. Um, it's just it it's not 
terribly ambitious, but it is it is about just about as good sort of post-punk white boy funk as you're going to find. And definitely a granddaddy to the whole um, new romantic movement that's going to, you know, take conquer the world in a couple of years so so yeah how how are you how are you feeling is are, are you going to give this serious consideration or is no it, i have to say that too slight? Uh, i'm going to have to turn it away and and the oh. reason for that i mean i love the album but it's just not what i'm looking for the sound you know it's not mm. to me mm-hmm. this isn't punk and it's not new wave and it's i mean it's i kind of call it post-punk but it's you know it's not what i'm looking for when i want to hear punk and new wave music so i'm gonna Mm -hmm. i'm gonna let this one go Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that is japan's second album called obscure alternatives all right let's move on to the fly's debut album this is an album called waikiki beach refugees we have uh, talked a little bit about this band in the previous episode, the um, bonus track episode we released last week. In the August-September episode uh, that we released a month ago, the mystery song that we went out on um, was by The Flies. It, it was a song called We Don't Mind the Rave. Um, we're not going to play it here, but we will include it on the playlist for this episode if you want to listen to the, the full song. By far, my favorite song off of this album. Um, I like the whole the album as a whole, but it it feels pretty slight to me. Um, this is this is well a pleasant but not significant album in my mind. Uh, where where are you at with uh, the Fly's debut album? Um, I wasn't too crazy about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those things that just you know the entire album pretty much doesn't do anything for me. Uh, there were a couple songs I did like. Uh, we don't you know we don't mind the the rave. I thought that was great, uh, and I hadn't heard anything like it. I'll tell you that much. Um, and I liked a couple other songs. One was your pick, and the other was my pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, th- the thing about this album is there are a couple of moments where they feel like they're actually doing their own thing. Like they, they might be on to something kind of interesting and unique, mm-hmm. but most of the album is way too referential to like, 50s and 60s different rock cliches um so i i just you know anytime there's a punk song that sounds like it's just a 50s or 60s song dressed up in the punk trappings that's yeah not interesting to me and that is the bulk of this album i think that's exactly what they're going for yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not criticizing them for making that choice. I just find it not very compelling. So, uh, what is uh, what is the song that you picked um, for us to listen to tonight? 
I chose a song called Don't Moonlight on Me. song is growing on me a little bit but it's it's you know it sounds very familiar i i feel like i've heard many many songs that sound pretty similar to this song um <laughs> yeah like the whole first side of the album <laughs> yeah yeah um oh it should should be noted that the the flies they're, they they only released two albums, and um, neither of them are on Spotify. But what is on Spotify is a compilation, which basically makes up both of the albums. So if you're digging what you're hearing and you, um, you want to hear more, I think that going and, and listen to um, the compilation called Today Belongs to Me by The Flies. That's probably all that you need to do. Um, so I picked um, another song which I feel about the same. Um, you know, it's I like the energy. It's a song called Fun City. Fun City. I love again is i mean you know one of the three songs that i actually like on the album and to me it's it's it still doesn't do a whole lot for me much like the other two mm-hmm. but uh, but you know it's not a bad tune yeah yeah i you know i i think that the reason why we're talking about the flies now i mean i think that they're they're kind of just as famous for their proximity to buzzcocks as anything else i mean they they had um they had one mild hit in the uk uh which i think was their initial single um but 
otherwise they just didn't really get much traction they, they only released two albums i feel like particularly when i listen to uh we don't mind the rave i feel like there is potential there so if they had if they had stuck with it and you know gotten a little bit more experience and a little bit more confident about striking out on their own stylistically that they could have become you know like an echo in the bunnyman type thing or you know um, modern english or they could have gone into that that sort of direction and and probably done all right uh so it it would have there might have been something there if they had just developed a little bit more so i'm not a huge fan of this album um it is of the albums that we're we're talking about tonight um obviously john cooper clark's album i cannot listen to but other than that this is the one that i i like but i'm not very enthusiastic about before we move on may i ask you uh if you were familiar with them back back in the day never heard of them not hadn't heard any of their songs hadn't heard the name of the band okay as far as i know or anything so it was only when it came time to to research for the episode all right that is the flies uh debut first of two albums called waikiki beach refugee i think it's pretty safe um to say that uh, you could skip this one if you're doing your homework about best of 78 and are running out of time this is yeah. um it's not a bad album but it's not not particularly noteworthy i don't believe yeah i feel the same way okay here we go oh i could feel it I have been dying <laughs> to talk to you about this album. We are now going to talk about Ecstasy's second album. This is an album called Go To. So earlier um, in 1978, Ecstasy released their first album, an album called White Noise, which you really liked. Yeah. You, I, I was surprised how, like, how much that album clicked with you. The, it, it, it is one of my least favorite ecstasy right. albums. Right. Um, but you, you were, you were totally into it. How does this compare to that one? Well, okay. Well, I'll start by saying that uh, as long as you and I have known each other and only as long mm-hmm. as you and I have, have known each other, I have been listening to ecstasy um, mm-hmm. because you've I mean, I think I'd heard them a little bit, but you yeah. listened to them a lot, and we spent a lot of time together. Yeah. Um, and so I, I liked them. I, w- I enjoyed them, but I was never really a fan. Well, of course, we did the episode with their first album, and I went nuts over it. I went crazy over it. I'm like, wow, listening to an entire album like this together and actually being able to focus on it, I I was so into it. And you know what? I'm still so into that album. Mm-hmm. I get to go to... And holy shit, this album is amazing. <laughs> I am so glad that you said, you know, okay, so you you may or may not be aware of this, but um, e- Ecstasy, the band Ecstasy, has apparently disowned this album. So you what? will never, you, you will never see, 
well, I probably shouldn't say never because there's there may be some obscure little compilation that that has a song off this album, mm-hmm. but I have never seen an ecstasy compilation, and believe me, I have a lot of them. Yeah. Um, I think I probably have all of them, uh, or at least most of them, that has a single song off of this. Apparently, they don't play any of these songs, or they didn't play any of these the songs live when they were when they were still uh, gigging. Um, and y- y- apparently, this is they they just orphaned this album. I don't know why. I mean, okay. I, I I have always really liked this album, but coming back to it and listening to it for the first time in, in quite a few years. So when I was a teenager and I first got this album and, and got into it, I loved it because there were some really high, high points, some songs that I just absolutely loved. But a lot of the album, particularly like most of Side One, just was, I thought was all right, but I didn't really connect with. But coming back to it, it is all, with one notable exception, it is all really good. Yeah. Uh, I was, for someone who kind of loved this, always loved this album, I was really surprised at how much, how, how much better it is than even I thought it was. I mean, and, and compared to their first album, so there, you, you remember when we were talking about the first album, uh, my complaint was that it felt like each song was like a bunch of different parts jammed together and some of the parts I liked and some of the parts I didn't not an issue on this that all of the album or excuse me all of the songs sound really whole and complete and like holistically written it all makes sense even though you know there are several different parts to some of the songs they they it, it is parts of a whole as opposed to you know, a Frankenstein type song. Yeah. No, every song fits really well together on this album. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm still just kind of blown away with, by it. So when I started listening to this song or this, excuse me, when I started listening to this album for research, uh, I also started listening to the first one too. And to me, you almost, you can feel like a bit of a, a bit of a, a evolution between the two, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. And yeah. And it just, to me, it tells me that they're going to keep evolving and they're going someplace really awesome, you know. Um, Yes. So do you remember way back in our very first episode when we were talking about Zolo music? uh um, This album was brought up as an example of uh, one of the best Zolo albums. Oh yeah, and yeah, and wow. you, you you can kind of hear it. I mean, it is very energetic and and kind of like all over the place, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of zany and and you know they they are just trying everything out. It is definitely a everything but the kitchen sink sort of an album, but yeah. working, which is, um, but. You know, on their next album, they go in a decidedly different direction, which ultimately 
I I think is so I don't I don't mourn when I look at this album and I listen to the songs I don't mourn the fact that they didn't continue on in this direction I uh-huh. love this album I love that it exists but the next several albums are some of the greatest post-punk pop albums ever made and some wow. of my very favorite yeah. so let's just luxuriate in this moment and appreciate this odd little dead-end alleyway that ecstasy goes up for this one album and it is it is a side adventure that is worth taking and i love it um and and we'll just appreciate it for what it is, but be thankful that they they kind of pivot and go into a different direction on their next album. There you go. I'm willing. <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, let's listen to a little music, shall All we? Right. Indeed. Um, this was this was no, there was never any question in my mind that whether or not you were going to pick "Life Is Good in the Greenhouse." This is. <laughs> This is really such a Rob song in the very best way. It's yeah. it's weird and dark and funny, um, and and has some some really astute but unexpected choices as far as the musicality of it. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I, I I like that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> don't have a whole lot to say about this song that you haven't already said <laughs> but, but to but but it is it is such a good song and and when i played it i totally sunk into it you know mm-hmm. um i think it it is that song alone well not alone definitely not alone but that song is part of the reason why i enjoy this album so much yeah yeah it is it is definitely a high point off of this album um my probably my favorite song off of a go to is the last song in the album a song called i am the the audience and this is one of my very favorite ecstasy songs period i Uh love this song i've always loved it i mean i think the first time i listened to this album this song just popped out at me as being the absolute standout it sounds to me like a, a classic that 
for some reason nobody ever really noticed at, like how good it is and you know it it makes me sad that this song is never going to show up on an ecstasy compilation album because it yeah. is so good so good i really want to know why i mean I, i'm hoping that, that the answer is is uncovered but i i want to know why that cares for Yes, we need to um, talk about one more song of this album. This is this is by far the most problematic song on on uh, Go To. Do you know uh, what I'm what I'm about to to reference? Uh, no, refresh my memory. It's a song called "My Weapon." Ah, uh, yeah. Are you remembering this? Uh, it's coming back to me for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is, if there was ever a song that was ripe for misinterpretation, it is this song. Um, it is such a weird choice for ecstasy to to go in this direction as far as writing a song about a a fucked up, horrible misogynist who, who is just so unhappy with his life that he, the way that he deals with it is that he, I guess, has violent sex with his girlfriend. So his weapon is his penis. And I just like, where are you guys going with this is, it is, one of the most non-ecstasy-ish songs right. ever. Um, and uh, it is baffling to me. I don't think it's an awful song. And I think that if you get past sort of the awfulness of the the narrator, I don't think that the intent by, behind the song is awful. I think that it's making a point um, about how awful this guy is, but it's just, it just sticks out like a sore thumb. Um, it's not a, it's not a badly written song, but it's just, you know, if somebody says, Hey, ecstasy, heard of the band, where should I start? I would, this would be the very last song that I would recommend (laughs) to anybody. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting thing I discovered about this uh, this song. A couple of things, really, and one is one of which um, the it's a song by Barry Andrews, and yeah. it was 
one of four songs he contributed to before he uh, before he left the band. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the other one is that it's one of two songs by Ecstasy that featured vocals by Terry Chambers. So yeah, it's yeah, it's I just mean, kind of interesting. And, and those obviously, I mean, it just doesn't it doesn't have any Andy Partridge right uh, energy right. to it at all, which is or or um, Colin Molding either. You know, which is why it just seems so out of place. Um, and you know, this is this is their second album, so it's a young mm-hmm. band, and they're still right. discovering their voice, both literally and figuratively speaking. And um, this is just a a misstep. And I wouldn't be surprised if this song plays a large role in why ecstasy sort of moving forward pretended that this whole album didn't exist. I mean, it's um, uh, just baffling to me. Uh, so, so anyways, that is ecstasy's second album, uh, an album called go to uh, this is, Almost certainly gonna be in my top ten of '78. Um, I, I I know it's pretty pretty much a long forgotten Ecstasy album, but um, it is it is worthy of anyone's consideration. Um, I love this album, and somehow I love it more now than I did when I was a teenager. Yeah, well, I'm gonna agree that. Uh... Ecstasy is worth the consideration, and I'm gonna say that uh, they're they're more than likely to end up on my top ten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to spend the rest of the episode just talking about this album because there's so much more to say. But <laughs> you, know, we, you know, it is our podcast. We could do yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> we we have uh, prior commitments, unfortunately. Yeah. So let's move on to uh, a bit of a favorite of yours as far mm-hmm. as the band. Um, the Saints' third album is an album called Prehistoric Sounds. Um, and, you know, I, I like this album more than I did before when we did... Of course, we did um, uh, a mini-dive on the saints so we talked briefly about this album uh but it's growing on me a little bit more i i would say that there's a very good chance this ends up being my favorite saints album so that's shifting we we the two songs that we're going to listen to tonight off of this album i think are very very good yeah yeah when when you know when we did the uh the mini dive on the saints i'll i'll be honest and and tell you that I don't recall where I placed this this album as mm-hmm. far as uh, how I ranked their their albums you know as far as whether it was one of my most favorite or least favorite or which songs I even liked but listening to it this time over and over again because I have listened to it over and over again every single song on this album I really enjoy with the exception of one and I like that one okay mm-hmm. but 
I I am crazy about the Saints and I'm crazy about this album. Well, that's great to hear. I, I'm never I don't think that I'm ever going to be crazy about them because his sensibilities just don't do anything for me. Sure. Enough. Um, but the song that you picked, Prisoner. This is by far my favorite Saint yeah. song. I, I yeah. don't know how I missed it, you know, when we did the mini dive, but this is an excellent song. just as good or you know almost just as good but the prisoner is again this is one of those songs that to me makes the album i just absolutely adore this bass line and the bass sound yeah yeah so the song that i picked which i like quite a bit as well a song called all times through paradise um i think this is a really well-written song I would love to hear a cover of this song with a like a a strong focused female vocalist. I knew like you were I would say that. Yeah. I would right. I would I would love to hear this song done by say Natalie Merchant. Wouldn't a uh, cover of this song done, done by her uh just I mean I think it would really highlight how how well written this song is um whereas his vocals are are fine but i just don't find them very compelling and not and not lovely at all obviously i think the important thing here is to realize that you said you wanted to hear a cover of this (laughs) I, i i think i think that's a step in the right direction in any way you look at it so yeah i think you're right song that I don't feel has lived up to uh, its full potential so maybe Natalie Merchant 
is listening out there. I mean, mm. weirder things have happened, yeah, but well, we um, we know only people. A few. We could yeah. push this song her way, maybe. <laughs> I think you're right about that. You know, before before we move on, um, speaking of covers, I even really like the Otis Redding cover that's on the album. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't know if you mm-hmm. if you noticed it. Oh, knowing I, you, you probably did. Uh, no, actually, I didn't because I am not that familiar with Otis Redding's oh. Oh, yeah. catalog. Yeah, well, I believe so, you would love Otis Redding. Um, well, I I I am familiar with him. He, mm-hmm. He's just not not the kind of funk that I like. I, gotcha. I, gotcha. Um, but that's. That's a different discussion for another podcast. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Uh, well, the the song "Security" off of this album is the Otis Redding tune, mm, mm-hmm. and and it's a it's a fantastic song by the Saints. So. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so that is the Saints' third album, uh, called. I'm blanking out on what Pre- it's called. What's it called? Prehistoric sounds. <laughs> Prehistoric sounds. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um. I I don't think this this album as much as I love the prisoner I don't I I don't think there's anything particularly extraordinary about this album um I'm not going I mean since the Saints first album ranked pretty high on your best of 77 list I'm not going to mm-hmm. be surprised if it pops up for you yeah um but this is I'm I'm never gonna be there with the Saints. Yeah, well, I uh, I really do enjoy this album, and I I'm definitely considering it for the top ten. Uh, it may be one of those that gets bumped off by something else, but uh, so far I think we're gonna slip it in there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it is time to talk about the last relevant album released in October of 1978 by a band. This is the debut album of a band called Penetration. Rob, were you familiar with Penetration? Um, I was not familiar with Penetration. I mean, you know, if we're talking about the band, not at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've... You know, I their songs were completely new to me. The the band itself, I I don't think I'd ever heard of them. Mm. Well, when I was looking at the list of of what we were going to be covering in '78, um, you know, there were several of these. Most of these albums I wasn't familiar with, and some of the artists I wasn't familiar with. Um, and this, I just sort of like internally groaned because the idea of listening to an album by a band called Penetration just sounded awful. <laughs> yeah. You know, I get but, but here's, here's all you have to know about this album to, to turn that around. The lead vocalist is female. So suddenly that goes from, oh my gosh, we're, this is going to be like a dead boys sort of a thing where, you know, obnoxious white boy punks are, are being obnoxious white boy punks. But as, as, soon as, as soon as you realize it's a female vocalist, that 
that suddenly makes it very interesting. It and um, it turns out that I actually was familiar with Penetration. I, I had forgotten their name, but on <clears throat> a certain punk compilation, <laughs> um, there was a song called Don't Dictate, which I was familiar with, and I didn't know it was by Penetration. And, um, wow, this album kind of blows my mind. I, I gotta say off the top, I don't love it because it's not connecting with me on sort of a personal level, but mm -hmm. this is a very important album to talk about. Uh, we are, we are hearing so many new things on, uh, off, off of this album that really kind of blow my mind. Um, so, but before we get into that, I want to, I want to hear where you're at on this album. Okay. Well, um, I'm a bit middle of the road. Mm. I, um, I listened to, I don't know, first three or four tracks thinking, oh, these are okay. Uh, I get to like the fifth track and suddenly I hear a song that really excites me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's the that's the song I'm gonna pick. This is like the song. All those other songs are only all right. I don't really connect with them. This is awesome. And then I listen to a couple more songs, and then I find another one. I'm like, I love this song. This is the song I'm gonna pick. Uh, but then I listen to the next song, and I'm like, okay, this is definitely the song I'm gonna pick. Um, so the second, I think the second half of the album is a little bit better than the first half. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm kind of like you in the sense that there's quite a few songs that don't they don't connect with me personally you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and it's a it's a bit unfortunate because uh, uh there are a couple there are two or three maybe even four songs on here that i think are pretty awesome yeah so i i gotta talk about the sound of this band i mean this does not sound like a band um, releasing an album in 1978, it right. sounds like late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's. Agree there. I mean, I I'm hearing like, I'm hearing a lot of like throwing muses, Mary's Danish. Um, you know, later on down the road, like Le Tigre, um, some of the those the the quote Riot Girl. Uh, bands in the in the the mid 90s i mean this this music sounds so far ahead of its time i am i'm really impressed with this album yeah, yeah for sure um so this was your mystery cut that uh -huh. we featured in last week's bonus track episode yeah uh we went out on a song called Free Money. Free Money. That's right. Um, and I found that to be an odd choice for a song um, off of this album because it sounded like a bit, a bit of an outlier uh, in the sense that it's it kind of sounded like it remind that one song reminds me of like late 60s early 70s jefferson airplane uh -huh. type yeah. you know music which 
none of the rest of the album really sounds like at all. Uh, well, I think that's interesting. You, you know, the the song for one thing is is the Patti Smith cover. And, okay. All right. Well, and, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. I did not yeah. know that. So it's a Patti Smith cover, and I love Patti Smith. Um, but also, it, it is the most different song on the album. And i that's kind of why I threw it out there yeah. at the end of last episode. Um, also, I, I really wanted to play that tune. But it's, as far as something of theirs it's not my favorite you know mm-hmm. so but i i think that's a killer song mm-hmm. so um what is your favorite song off of this album so my favorite song by them as i mentioned my third time because uh, i picked <laughs> i picked two songs before it um what i ended up with was a song called too many friends my friend you cannot leave me such lies and trickery You know, Rob, I feel like I am exactly opposite the, uh, from you on this album in one respect. So you uh-huh. were saying how as you were going through, you were not so excited, and then you'd hear a song that really stood out to you, and then you go a little bit more on the song that really stood out to you. Right. I yeah. my, my experience is, is the opposite in the sense that for the most part, I could have picked any of these songs because they all, they, they don't sound the same like a lack of imagination or songwriting right. skills. Oh, sure. But but they're, um, you know, it, it sounds very even to me. Um, and I guess that's part of the reason why I can't get super excited about this music for me personally, like I, I don't get an emotional reaction when mm-hmm. I hear this this music. I, intellectually, I get very excited because it sounds so fresh and new and ahead of its time. Um, but but it, it it does get a little well, yeah, I guess a little samey to me. Um, but I, I, I love the energy of it. And, um, it's, it's really exciting that like the two most surprising albums in October of 78 were done by, um, you know, featuring female vocals and female personalities. I mean, this, 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 the lead vocalist, um, 
she she has a very distinct style and a very distinct personality which i really appreciate um and it's really fre quite refreshing because it's been up until now it's been such a boys club <laughs> yeah it, you're you're right about that it it, yeah. it was so nice to see to see them both on this playlist yeah um, yeah know, and, and and being sort of like two of the high points for me yeah yeah, absolutely. I picked Silent Community to listen to because um, even though most of the album sounds ahead of its time, I feel like this song even more so sounds like a uh, early 90s song, like like something that you might hear from the Breeders. Um, and like so much so that it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb on a playlist like this you know because <laughs> yeah. so so many of the the songs off of this um playlist are excellent songs but they are sounding of their time and this song right. really doesn't there's a lot of freedom but not enough choice habits never change and there's only one voice song i was talking about the first time i the first song that i heard that made me go oh wow this is the song this, this is the one that i'm picking for my choice because it stood out um more than more than much of what i heard already but mm -hmm. uh but i you know i i like the song and i i think you're right that the band is important it's it's an important song it's a it's a cool album you know yeah i i definitely feel like I haven't spent enough time with this album. I no. think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a strong contender for um, one of the albums that we revisit in for to explore. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I, my hope is that I'm just a couple of listens away from everything falling into place and me yeah. adoring during this album i really want to love this album um it, it 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 i mean it is like the definition of a lost gem i i don't know why we don't hear about penetration yeah i agree wholeheartedly Okay, so that is penetration's debut album an album called moving targets uh, I strongly recommend that you go and check it out if you are planning on submitting your best of 78 list to us. Uh, I think it's something that you may or may not like, but it, it needs to be considered for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with that, man. It's uh, definitely, I don't know, it's almost, it's, 
it's almost cutting edge, you know. Uh, yeah. I definitely think it's worth it. Yeah. And that, my friends, is October of 1978, a um, significant month in the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave for sure. Much more so than I expected going in. Um, so, Rob, yeah, this, this is a tough one. Uh, and wow. I still, I'm not sure what's, what, what answer is going to pop out of my mouth. So I'm going to uh -huh. stall for a couple more seconds and let you go first as far oh, yeah. as choosing your uh, best of show, uh, Rob's favorite album of October. Well, I'm going to tell you that it's a tough one for me because I've got three albums that are really close contenders. Mm -hmm. um, I have chosen, but if I may say... It was between The Saints, Lynn Leivick, and Ecstasy. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have to say that Ecstasy won out. Yeah. So um, I am so excited about um, Lynn Leivick's album. Good job, Fuck. by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I got through it. I was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, stateless and um penetrations moving targets though uh -huh. those are the two, two albums that ex i got the most excited about the last couple of weeks but my love for ecstasy's go-to runs so deep yeah and i love it even more than i remembered and so i i gotta go with ecstasy's go-to ecstasy right they they do zolo you know, and, um, and it's, so much it's more. wonderful and yeah. um, still kind of surprising on a lot of different levels. So we are of one mind on that. Uh, one of one of the few times that that happens. <laughs> well, uh, and, so, I, and I have you I have you to thank for that, by the way. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Um, it's it's the gift that just keeps giving. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so guess what next month is? Yeah, so August, we're going to take a little break. That's right. That is our summer break. So we are um, at the end of this month. We will officially be two-thirds of the way through season two of this wow. podcast. Yeah, astonishing. Yeah. Um, and so I'm bringing it up now. We will bring it up every episode that we release before August uh, mm -hmm. because when we did this in the springtime, we ended up releasing just as many episodes as we normally did, you know, on a regular month. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, I just want to prepare everyone now. It's going to be different this time. We, we will definitely release something. But um, Rob and I are ready for, like, a real break. <laughs> right, Rob? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. We may have to take a vacation and go someplace. <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know. And th this is not a complaint about, oh, this podcast requires so much work. It's just we're, we're both, uh, 
so much busier than we were, um, you know, earlier on in the podcast, because I mean, a lot of it is because here in California, things are opening up a lot more. So we're, we're all back to full-time jobs. So before that though, we have a a pretty important episode to record. This is it. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, this is this is probably <laughs> going to be the highlight of the this season for me. Mm-hmm. So who are we going to be doing our deep dive on this month, Rob? No, who who we're doing a deep dive on ecstasy and it's going to be a blast. This is my number 2 all-time favorite new wave band we're talking about. So we have to split it up. Uh, into two parts so the first part will be um, their first seven albums yeah I have a big feeling that this next episode is going to be where I become a a giant fan yeah yeah okay Rob thanks a lot man we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon all right see ya